0: Welcome to The Brave Table. I'm your host, Dr. Neetha Bhushan, and this is your oasis for strengthening your mental and emotional fitness no matter what life tosses your way. I am so excited you're here. Just like you, I wear many hats. I'm a former dentist turned author and serial entrepreneur, currently a mama of two, and a recovering perfectionist. Every week, we'll navigate Brave Conversations to support your evolution at every season and stage of your life raw and unfiltered, we'll explore all the feels as we unpack life's unpredictable moments from the playful to the painful, the magical and the messy, and everything in between this epic human experience. You ready? Let's dive in. Howdy, Brave Table fam. I'm your host, Dr. Neetha, and welcome to another juicy episode at the Brave Table. And today, I have a very, very powerful, incredible, amazing human sitting with us today. She is Dara Brustein. Now, she is the power of having real connections. Have you ever wondered how maybe it's you that is the gatherer or the galvanizer of your friends, or you know someone that you admire, or maybe they trigger you so much because they are able to go into any room and any networking event with pure, full confidence. And by the end of the networking event, they have like an entire group around them, or they're just able to connect very deeply where you feel like you are the only one in the room that matters. Yes. So that is the secret sauce of this incredible woman, Dara. Now she uses mentorship as a tool for growth, which we're going to talk about and in dive into today's juicy episode and how that turns into just never ending limitless success in projects and businesses and how to really become that power connector for yourself. Now, Wherever you're at, if you are somebody that when I just painted that picture, you're like, ooh, that's not me. Maybe that triggered you in some way. Maybe people like that trigger you. And maybe it's because there's something about that that is endearing or, or, or enticing, but you're kind of like, how do I get to be more like that? There's probably something there that is ready to be revealed for you. So stay tuned and listen in. And if you are ever curious on really harnessing that power for yourself, this is the episode to listen into. Now, Dara's story is one of grit, resilience, two of my favorite, favorite words, but also the power of what's possible when you nurture your connections. Now, we're going to talk about how her love of interviewing has landed her a video series with the iconic Deepak Chopra, and how the value of having a mentor, and we go into breakdown tips on how you can actually find a mentor as iconic as Deepak, and the journey of being able to ask powerful yet difficult questions to be genuine and authentic and giving somebody value for that value to be seen and seen in yourself. Now, Dara is a serial entrepreneur. She has sold a few businesses. She's also called a networking guru. She's a mindset coach. She's a master interviewer and a writer. Now she's published children's book series on financial literacy called Finance Whiz Kids, and she's had her work featured in Forbes, Inc., Time Magazine, as she's been a writer for all of those platforms, CNN, and more. Now, as you listen to today's episode, I really invite you to reflect on your feelings about Calvinizing people. And next time you go to that networking event, you know how to actually come from a place of adding value to somebody else and really coming up from a place of curiosity as she does so, so well. And what we're going to be diving in also is how to understand the five types of mentorship that Dara breaks down so beautifully for us so that you can actually find a mentor and maybe you can even be a mentor for somebody else. You know, I always loved going into companies, going into organizations after I sold my dental business and, you know, really coming into from a place of leadership, but seeing how a lot of times in those organizations, there wasn't mentorship. And especially for women who were looking up to the other only women in the organization and you know what if we were to take the roles that we are at now and the some of the privilege that we have for doing some of the work that we are able to do to paint a picture for somebody else who's just starting out who's just starting to get their feet wet and some of the things to look forward to and some of the things to perhaps maybe keep an eye out for somebody who you can even mentor. um, That's really genuine. And so many more goodies, but I'll just let her dive into the conversation as we sit with Dara Brustein on The Brave Table. All right. Welcome, Dara. I'm so, so glad to have you here, love. Me too. Thank you for having me. Oh, man. There's so much I want to start with. And I think what's calling me for us today is take us through like your transition of, you know, before you got into being such a high profile writer.
1: Oh, that's I was like, where are we going with this? (laughs) I was like, this is a really complimentary question. <laughs> Thank you. Of course. Gosh. So yeah, it's funny that we jumped to the writing because I often forget that I write. And when I think back to early childhood, which I think often leaves clues for us, I remember being the kid that when I'd get bored in class, I would just start writing chapter books. This was like second and third grade. Oh my God. And- okay. So you were a writer like even early on. Yeah. But again, I didn't like wear the moniker and I wasn't thinking, oh, I'm going to be a writer. But my teacher kept saying, you're going to be a writer. And I thought okay, maybe I'm going to be a writer. And then I vividly remember graduating from college and talking to a friend of mine. And I said to her, I don't think I write anything anymore if it's not an email. And I think I should exercise that muscle. At the time I was 22, I got on the blog train and started writing a blog that I called The Betwixter, which no one read. Betwixter? was <laughs> like my friends and family read. And The Betwixter was sort of this intersection sure. of betwixt and twixter, which sort of meant one at a crossroads. And I was really mm-hmm. interested in writing about that stage of life where your sort of quarter life and your friends and your life kind of veers in different directions. And I just wanted to process it and share experiences And through that, interestingly, as life always is, you do something not necessarily with an end in mind, or maybe you have an end in mind, but life shows up differently. Mm -hmm. I began to get invitations to guest write for other stuff. And then I met a fellow entrepreneur friend when I was out in LA one time. And he said, I love your writing. Can I introduce you to my editor at Entrepreneur? And it just snowballed where I started to write for Entrepreneur. And then I started to write for Forbes. And then I started to write for Inc. And... Each time sort of my reason for doing it, because at the end of the day, like I'm a big believer in the intention behind everything is all that truly matters and how we make the decision. Because ultimately, a yes for me could be a no for you because our intentions are different, but on the surface, everything stacks up equally. And so, you know, going into it, I was like, I want to use a platform like this one to continue to write Two, to create an opportunity for people who are underrepresented on platforms like this and aren't necessarily going to get the opportunity to be presented there. Mm. And over time, that began to evolve more. I was like, this is a great way for me to share and share value and do it on a broader platform. And then over time, it also became an opportunity for me to grow into a new love of mine, which I didn't know I had either, which was interviewing. And it was... Ah. Drawing out the gems from people and having this interesting way to almost predict what the readers in that case would want to hear and being able to help suss that out from someone. Mm-hmm. And it took me on a really cool journey of my first ever interview with Deepak Chopra. And it was quite a like throw yourself in the deep end moment. Oh my gosh, it just kept spinning into incredible person after incredible person.
0: Yeah. I mean, I've seen like you've interviewed legends like Shaq, you know, somebody that I grew up watching. I mean, it's just amazing. Take us through that moment where you dove in the deep end and you're, you know, interviewing this like spiritual icon, Deepak. Because is it a face to face interview usually, or are you guys on the phone, or how did it? They all vary. But of course, the first one with Deepak was, hey, fly to New York and bring a camera
1: crew. Oh my goodness. And I was like, sure, I'm in Atlanta. So I said, sure, no problem. And so I called my friends in New York and said, who has a camera person that they can give me with lighting and with this and that? And it was super ad hoc, but it was one of those things where literally I had this moment where I thought, you know, I believe in mentorship in many formats. I actually think there's five versions of mentorship And in this case, to me, Deepak had always been what I'd call a mentor from afar. Mm -hmm. He was someone whose work I deeply admired. I had studied, but he had no idea that I existed. And that was perfectly fine by me. And so when this opportunity presented itself, and it was literally five days after they said, you know, yes to the interview, I was there with this camera crew and this lighting crew and my set of questions. And I'd been reading his latest book on the flight up and preparing what I was going to say. And... There's only a couple of times in my life where I truly remember there being sort of this out-of-body experience where I was deeply in the moment and also outside of myself simultaneously. Mm. And that was one of them where I was like, I feel that I'm dreaming. Like this doesn't feel like it is actually happening to be staring at someone and getting to ask whatever and have such warm, loving energy coming from him who I adjust like I had been at one of Oprah's events, for example, in a stadium in Atlanta with sixty thousand people with Deepak on the stage, like looking like a tiny ant from how high up I was. And then I'm thinking, we are face to face in an hour long conversation. Oh my gosh, this is ridiculous. And what an interesting snowball effect of that as well was leaving it. One obviously, I began to realize, okay, there's something here that I can build on because this was very natural. And Deepak said to me when the cameras turned off, he said, "You have a real gift for this." And I thought to myself. Wow, like I'm going to hold on to that because it's very easy for me, I think for a lot of us. To doubt ourselves and to question and to just say, "Mm, that was a fluke, or I can't recreate that, or who am I to do that, or any of the imposter syndrome things that we know so well. Mm -hmm. And as months went on, all of a sudden, another opportunity popped up where Chase hired me and they said, You're going to interview Cam Newton and you're going to interview Deepak Chopra. And I thought, You've got to be kidding me. Now, three months later, I'm getting to see him again. And he was so delightful and so welcoming, as was Cam. And then two months after that, I did something that. I am a huge believer in as well, which is one, it's just nurturing relationships. And two, it's when you get that spark in your head of thinking of someone, of simply reaching out and expressing whatever you were feeling. Because I think we often let those moments pass when they can really be fruitful
0: Mm. and just simply
1: to nurture the relationship. And so it was the day after Christmas, this was about three or four years ago. And I sent an email to Deepak and I just said, I just want to thank you again for the times that we've intersected this year. And I want to let you know as we enter the new year that if there's anything I can do to support your efforts, let me know. And he wrote back in 20 minutes and he said, actually, yes, I think you can help make my work less esoteric and easier for people to understand. Wow. And I opened the email, my jaw's on the floor and I'm thinking, what? Me? There's 7 billion people on this planet. Like, why is he asking me that? And what does this mean? Like, what does he (laughs) want me to do? And so I wrote back and I said, absolutely. What do you have in mind? He said, well, I don't know. What do you have in mind? And so we're literally ping-ponging in real time. There's no time to stop and think. And the first thing that comes to my mind, I put in the email and I say, okay, why don't we do a video series and we'll call it Diving Deep with Deepak. And we'll break down a topic per video and we'll do it in five minutes or less. And I'll help make it really palatable and Digestible for people in a way that maybe it can take the esoteric nature and make it something people can really grapple with. And he goes, Great, except we're going to call it Diving Deep with Deepak and Dara, and we're going to start in two weeks. Oh my gosh. And in that moment, I just had this realization of, okay, you, me, I don't believe that I am the person that should be doing this. I don't see in me what he sees in me. But in that moment, I made the decision to borrow the confidence that he saw in me Mm. and say, And it wasn't fake it till you make it. It was just let that be the bridge till you can really own and understand what it is that he sees in you and that you can wear and own that for yourself. And it was one of the biggest gifts that he could ever give me just to help me see myself the way that he saw me and to go and then produce 33 episodes together.
0: 33 episodes. Oh yes. my goodness. And I just want to kind of, you know, interject for a moment here and, and really highlight what you just said. Because I think that so many times when we're, you know, launching something complete, and like you said, Deepak was your very first interview, right? In this capacity. And then it led into something where the universe was like, all right, you guys are just going to keep intersecting. So then two months later, you're having a touch point again. And obviously, probably, you know, building those interview skills, and then to kind of say the whole borrowing the confidence that he saw in you, I think that's so valuable, important because there's, there's so many nuggets here because even in the idea of connecting your dots with him and knowing your superpower, which is... Connection as well. And I see that in you. And, you know, of course, like I see that in myself as well. And not only that, but just to reach out. So the idea that you were honing in on that superpower of reaching out, connecting, having gratitude that led you to create this 33 video series. So what is actually going through your mind at this point now that, you know, you just kind of borrowed that confidence and you're literally entering this next chapter, which is completely different than you had thought before. It was interesting timing. And it's, it's interesting question. No one's ever asked me this because it was, like
1: I said, the day after Christmas and I was about to leave for Guatemala the next day for, I think 10 days. And so I remember going and just feeling electric and I'm a believer and I have a hunch that you're a believer that the energy you emit, you attract. And so suddenly I just felt this like real different vibration than I had really ever experienced for that long after that. And I think it was a combination of like being in such an incredible place as Guatemala and also really just thinking about and beginning to visualize what was going to happen in this series with him and beginning to realize like, this is your reality, and things like this can happen to you and can happen to everyone else. And we don't need to think that we can plan everything, which was a big lesson for me. I am a type A planner. I thought like I needed the grips of control on everything, which has been like a lifelong unlearning for me. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it, there was just so much anticipation where I began to dig back into all of his work, which then sped up my own learning and helped me deepen my own learning and then began to think what are the questions I really want to ask this person? Because there was no guarantee of how long we'd be doing this. It was just this on the fly thing. So I began to prioritize what that was and we'd text and we'd talk about what it was and he'd be asking me what books I was reading. I mean, it just became this beautiful Thing where it was mentor from a far turned peer. And it's interesting because even now I don't think of him as like a true peer. Like I still hold him in such high regard and see him differently. But the way he treated me also was such a great lesson in and of itself of no matter how much you've done, no matter how far you've gone, everyone is the same and is equal. And the fact that he embodied that and treated me that way, it was just such a great reminder that no one is greater than, no one is lesser than.
0: Mm. I mean, you bring such a really powerful point here. And I want to kind of connect the dots to what you mentioned before is you believe in like five types of mentors. So can you take us through that? Because it seems like for somebody like Deepak to just be so open and in many ways kind of challenge you, but really see the, the talent that you were bringing to the table just from that, you know, first interview that led to the second interview that led to this whole, you know, kind of experience with him. And I've seen that you guys have a master class now as well. So take us through, what does that mean for us when you talk about the five types of
1: mentors? I love that you remembered that. Thank you for bringing that back. And let's see if I can rattle off all five off the top okay. of my head. <laughs> so We've already done one, which is mentor from afar. The second is traditional, which is what we often think of when we think of mentorship. And it's, in my opinion, the most heavy lift and usually not the first one that I think that we should aim for because it's asking a lot of one-sidedness from one person to pour into the other. And typically the reason someone's going to do that is that some part or parcel they see something of themselves in this like earlier version of the person across the like. I always see in my mind this vision of like the old mahogany desk with the leather-bound chair and it feels like very traditional, hence traditional mentorship. Third is co. And I love, love, love this style. So co is really about partnership. It's what is something that you can teach or offer to someone and what is something that they can teach or offer to you with some amount of equal exchange. And so an example of this is there's a woman that I became friends with who was a copy editor for some major magazines and she began to really understand social media in a way that was well ahead of her time. Mm. And she wanted to learn for me how to grow and scale a business because, you know, I grew a business into 38 states. I sold a company. Like i have done all these things in the business space. And we came together and we said, well, why don't we just carve out intentional co-mentorship time to teach and collaborate in these ways? And we'll just make the rules up as we go. So if we decide we're going to meet once a week or once every other week and how we're going to divide and share the time. And then we sort of just made the decision of when that, arrangement felt complete and we were done. But I think it's such a great way to feel that we can learn and grow together. The next Mm -hmm. is reverse. And this one I learned from corporations like Coca-Cola where a lot of executives will find someone who is earlier stage in their career and they will do a reverse mentorship because there's so much that someone can learn from someone who is a digital native or has different experiences or has new ideas and like sees things differently. And Whether or not you're in a corporate environment, I think it's a really great reminder for those of us who often second guess or shortchange ourselves. And we think, well, what is it that I have to offer? Then consider this type of reverse mentorship where you're helping someone who's further along in their career to maybe understand what the up and coming generations are experiencing or whatever the circumstances might be. Mm. And Then, so we did reverse. We did from afar. We did traditional, traditional. We did co What is the last one? (laughs) (laughs) Okay, got it. Cool. It's moments. Mm -hmm. And this one is huge. And actually, you and I were talking about our mutual friend before we started recording, Kat Cole. And Kat is excellent at this. And she really embodies this. Shout out, Kat. Yeah, exactly. She's so great at this where, you know, Kat is a global speaker and she will be on a stage. And afterwards, maybe there'll be a meet and greet. And this is the opportunity where someone will get, you know, five minutes or two minutes to ask a question. And I think what's so great about mentoring moments is whether it's the networking call that you get with someone, or you're sitting in an Uber like share with someone, or you're on the flight together, or you're standing in line and you strike up a conversation, or you get that one email where you get to ask that question you've been dying to ask. That there's so much you can gain, but the real caveat to this is you have to have done your homework. You need to be asking a question that isn't easily Googleable, isn't easily accessible on that person's website or in materials that they offer very freely. Because then the person really respects that and it helps them want to give more in their response. Ooh. This happened to me when I was, gosh, maybe seven, eight years ago, I was writing a kid's book on financial literacy and my icon in the space, and it was tangential, was her name's Julie Agner Clark and she invented Baby Einstein.
0: Oh my gosh. I, yes. The reason
1: she was my like idol in the space was because I wanted this financial literacy series to become sort of the Baby Einstein of financial literacy. Spoiler Mm -hmm. alert, never happened. However, (laughs) I spent probably four hours researching everything I could find online about Julie. And certainly you don't need to go to that extreme, but I wanted to do my homework. And I found her email, I sent her an email and I very contritely said, I deeply admire your work and I've spent a lot of time looking online to find X, Y, and Z. I have one question for you. And if you're open to my asking it on the phone or over email, it would mean the world to me. And she wrote back and she said, I'll do you one better. Let's just hop on the call and you can have as much time as you want. And it sparked into this like real relationship that turned into a mentorship for some amount of time. And I deeply believe that it was because of the way I approached it. And it was because of the homework I did to respect her time and respect the way that I showed up, that she was willing to open herself up to something like that. And most people are wired that way. So when we don't come from a place of, I'm sure you get these DMs all the time of like, hey, I want to vomit this thing on you and I need this thing and here's this transaction and i it's all about me and my goal and it's not about you at all or it's clearly missing the fact that what they're asking is like a free thing on your website or you've shared it on your podcast 17 times. It really changes the trajectory and you then are closing a door before it was even opened.
0: Oh, it's so true. I want to just absorb everything that you just shared because this is so, so vital. And I don't think we talk about mentorship enough because, you know, coming from a place where we run a lot of coach training programs, I think it's also so important to note that even when we're going through periods of transition, you've, you know, been involved in many businesses and kind of in that transition point. And we were just talking, you know, about our our mutual friend Kat before this call. And when I met Kat, I was totally in a very transition point in my life of dentistry into, you know, the abyss of whatever it would be at the time before it was even leadership coaching. And so for those, like you mentioned, moments where you can, for anybody that's listening, Right now, who's in that transition time that's kind of like, I want to get my feet wet. I want to be able to, you know, explore what that person is doing, what that looks like. But it's taking the extra step and not just like cold DMing, but actually doing your research. And what I'm hearing in like all of these like nugget bombs, I feel like some of you are going to have to go back and re-listen to the episode and like literally take notes on this, is just capturing the two to five moments that we have or minutes that you have when you do see somebody that you truly admire but go the extra step and actually be human about the connection instead of making it transactional, which obviously I know, you know, and for myself, it's like, you don't even respond to a lot of those at all because versus the
1: random one where someone says the thoughtful thing, they pay a sincere compliment. You can tell they've done their homework then you build a real relationship and the dividends that that pays, because really what this comes down to is short-term versus long-term thinking. When you're thinking short-term of let me just send cold email after cold email, let me just copy paste everything, or let me just get this out quickly, that energy is matched. But when you do everything that we're talking about, it doesn't necessarily mean you're going to get the answer that you want but you're much more likely to get that to happen. And the dividends that are going to potentially be an outpouring of that are so
0: much bigger. Oh, it's, it's huge. It's huge. Oh my gosh. Hello there, loves. I just wanted to pop right in and... Check in with you. How are you feeling this time of year? Wanted to check in because it's often that we have so much momentum and excitement for new projects, people, and things, and then we begin to lose steam. So, if you've had moments of lack of energy or lack of motivation, feeling stuck, or not having as much motivation as you had before, you're not alone. Being exposed to the same cycles of stressful moments again and again without a pause button, honestly, it's a total wreck to your nervous system. And I definitely don't don't want you to enter burnout. That's right. That's why I have the solution for you. Lately, I've had so many friends, mamas and entrepreneurs tell me the same thing, that they're in a funk and just plain burnt out. And honestly, I totally get it. It doesn't help if you're trying to run a household, your business, kids, and get your personal life on track too. Not to mention, be a total perfectionist in the process. So after hearing so many people share the same struggle, I decided to create my burnout recovery kit that's right. It's what I created having gone through burnout many, many times. And this will not only help you kick it out, but conquer it for good. It's literally the pause button that you need in your daily routine. So in this burnout recovery kit, it's kind of like your SOS kit. I have 11 powerful questions for you. These are questions with prompts that I use when I start to hit roadblocks and feel super drained so that I can regain my focus and clarity around what I'm trying to Accomplish. So you can grab your free copy of your burnout SOS kit here at globalgrit.co backslash burnout kit. That's right. Absolutely yours for free. So you can start the process and share it with your friends, globalgrit.co, that is G-L-O-B-A-L-G-R-I-T dot C-O backslash burnout, B-U-R-N-O-U-T, K-I-T. I promise you that if you take the time to sit with yourself, settle in and work through these, you will kick and hopefully prevent burnout from getting back into your life. So Brave Table fam, make sure you head over to globalgrit.co backslash burnout kit and grab your copy of the burnout recovery kit so that you can conquer burnout it is my free gift to all of you listeners which includes a video walkthrough from me on how to best use it and the best practices for doing so so go ahead and grab it now at globalgrit.co backslash burnout kit b-u-r-n-o-u-t-k-i-t and now back to the show Well, I want to segue into, because you are a queen of transition. (laughs) And before you got to what you're doing now, which we'll get into in a moment, can you take us through the huge company that you built? Because you've built several of these as a serial entrepreneur. And I kind of want to just like give everyone this like touch point of, you know, what were some of those, the building blocks that have led you to now, doing what you do for so many entrepreneurs. Well, again, thanks for that compliment. And
1: I want to make sure I rip the hood open and that it's not just like, here's the highlights of how I did these things. Because So basically, the quick version of this is, I was a double major in religion and Italian. There is nothing about what I studied that should have said, oh, you should go into business. And actually what I went to college thinking I would do was become a fashion photographer. These are some of my random black and white photos. Love <laughs> it, by the way.
0: If I'm you're on good. audio, you can't see them. So sorry <laughs> They're about gorgeous. That. Absolutely yeah, gorgeous. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> religion <laughs> and Italian did not know that. So- Right. And I'd never
1: really talk about that. But I do think it's important to say that you don't have to have had the obvious transitive experience to go from point A to point B. And that at the end of the day, every time I started a business, which I'll get into, was because I saw a need or a problem that I thought that I had some amount of skill set or tools and empathy towards to want to help solve that problem. And those problems have been very varying. So upon graduating, I remember people saying to me, No, Dara, you can't just go start a business you have to work your way up the ladder. You have to pay your dues. You have to, you know, cut your teeth. And I thought, oh, well, if that's what everyone says. And so the other advice they gave me was, you know, what do you love to do as a hobby? Make that your career. And sometimes that's good advice, but it was horrible advice for me. So what that meant was I thought, well, okay, at 22, I don't know what I love except fashion. So I'm going to go into fashion. So I got a job with a company in LA and I started selling wholesale apparel throughout the Southeast. And it taught me a lot and it taught me really important stuff, but it also taught me why sometimes making your hobby, your profession can ruin the thing that you love. And that was definitely the case for me. It also taught me how much comfort can be a place that is very hard to leave because one, they said to me within your first three years, we need you to sell a million dollars of product. And when you're starting out, that sounded insurmountable. Wow. Until 10 months in, I had sold a million dollars worth. And I was like, I've literally maxed out my capacity here. And there's nowhere to grow. And at that point, I'm like 22, 23. And I'm thinking, wow, I need to be able to grow. I'm a very, like growth and learning is one of my top highest values values. with connection and freedom being my other two. And that is really important too, because I think when we don't know what our values are, it's very hard to make aligned decisions. And we often feel the disconnection and the lack of fulfillment. And so when I thought about, okay, well, I value these things like learning and growing, but I'm already at a place where I've stalled But then I kept thinking, well, I'm young and what do I know? And, you know, I kept doubting my own instinct and intuition, which was a horrible decision. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So the company ended up going under, which was such a gift, which at the time did not feel like a gift. I was 23. I had bought a home three months earlier because I had a restraining order against my landlord. And I was terrified of having a landlord again. And life just slapped me in the face where I was like, Wow. wow, you have a mortgage." You don't have a job. You were just coasting in this last job instead of really taking any effort to look for something new because you didn't know what you wanted to do. And now you are shoved out of the nest and you've got to figure this out fast. So this is 2007. If we recall, this is about exactly when the global markets began to collapse. My gosh. So suddenly I'm in this place where I'm taking job after job and I had layoff and then I had layoff. So I had three layoffs in a row by the time 2009 had hit and I'd been out of school for three years and I'm still carrying this mortgage. And I had carried a lot of fear and a lot of scarcity mindset. And all of a sudden I just said, you know what is crazy as it might sound, I need to take the reins into my own hands. And I'm going to flip the narrative because if people are telling me that working for someone else is the quote, secure, safe path, but it has not been the case for me, then maybe the more secure or safer path would be to do something that I've actually wanted to do all along, which is start a business. Mm. The chasm was, what is that business going to be? Like there's a big (laughs) leap between the desire and the doing when you don't know what the thing you want to commit yourself to is. And you don't really have a big financial safety net and you have bills to pay. Like I know everyone here listening does. And so I was very fortunate that I have two brothers. One is my twin. He also lives in Austin. And he said- to me, he was living in San Diego at the time. And he said, Hey, Dara, I have this idea to run a credit card processing company. And we're going to structure it as a brokerage, which has never been done in this specific arm of financial services. And my exact response to him was, huh. <laughs> are you kidding me? Do you have any idea how sexy and cool the work that I've been doing is? And you want me to work in credit card processing? No. And then I hung up and I was like, mm, that was stupid. That was very ego-y of me. And so I called him back and I said, how about I fly out to San Diego and start learning what you've been learning? And because he had begun to start this business, I said, why don't I mirror what you're doing? Why don't I go kind of be devil's advocate and learn what's happening? And when I came back, I remember committing to myself and saying, over the next 90 days, you need to reach out to as many of the 90 clients you had that were all retail boutiques that you worked with when you worked in wholesale fashion and just learn about their experience, their credit card processing and see if you can build any momentum. And that was how sort of the bridge was built where I had just made this decision to be using my curiosity and building off the relationships that I had. And it was not an upward trajectory, but now we're 13 years in and now we run the business passively. We've been running it passively for five or six years now.
0: Wow. And we
1: grew it into 38 states. But that, like I said, was not just upward. We had two embezzlements. We went almost back to zero two times. I remember my mom, I was literally on, like, this is not a... A hyperbole. I was literally on my bathroom floor crying in a puddle of tears the second time it happened. And I was just like, I don't know if I have it in me to keep doing this. So I call my mom and she's like, I don't think you do either. I think you should get a job, which is <laughs> the worst thing someone needs to hear when they are doubting themselves. And that you know, one of the two people on the planet, their parents that they want to believe in them the most. It's like, no, I don't believe in you, I think. But really with perspective, I realized she just wanted to protect me. That was her version of love, but it was not what I needed. But what I chose to do with it was let it be the fuel to tell me, okay, you're going to prove her wrong. You're going to prove yourself wrong and you're going to go do it. And we did. So that really was the foundation of me getting the confidence and the courage that I needed through the years of growing that tumultuous business to say, okay, you can go out on your own and keep doing this. But it wasn't just because I said, oh, I want to keep building. I just kept finding problems showing up at my doorstep that I was like, I can carve out space for that. I can help solve that problem, which opened the doors to me starting a networking events company that grew to 30,000 people that I sold last year writing the children's book on financial literacy because I felt like if no one in the world seems to be knowing how to handle their finances, but this is something I was taught as a kid and I'm a writer, let's marry the two and put them together. And then over time, it evolved into me having this, and there's a longer story to this, but a deep intuitive hit that kept saying, You need to teach other people how to run businesses that are not running them. You need to really bring this philosophy that I operate from to life because I had done it the wrong way for so long of the hustle grind, burnout, like sleep when you're dead BS. (laughs) Sleep when you're dead, yeah. And that philosophy for me has really become what I build everything around, which is design your life and define success for yourself, build a business to fund it Mm. and a network to support it. And that hunch that I had at this retreat in Italy that just kind of said to me, go do that that I resisted for a very long time because so I was like, mm, there's a million coaches, there's a million thought leaders. I don't want to be one of them. Who am you know all the voices? I just started following the intuition and
0: letting each domino fall until it found me where I am today. Wow. So much, so much to unpack. And first, I just want to say, I mean, congratulations on all of the unique kind of threads that have led you to where you are now. I talk a lot about grit and a lot about resiliency and you've kind of married the two in all of the endeavors that you've been able to create. And we were just on a call within our community and, you know, it's for one of the coach training companies, we're getting into this next step of literally giving them the tools to create an enterprise for themselves. But the question that we get and which I know that you'll appreciate so much is well, how do I just not go into this contrast which is what I see and kind of what you've been able to do so well is embrace the contrast. Yeah, you've you've scaled the business, but not everybody really talks about the failures. And actually, in order to appreciate all of your high successes and to be able to sell a company in which you did, which takes a lot of work, by the way, for you to just be so vulnerable and open and, and saying, yeah, I was actually on my bathroom floor and my mom didn't even believe in me that is a form of truth that I feel like so much of, you know, so many of us can appreciate. And I think that kind of leads into the fact that no wonder you're the three principles that you're acting on now is to help others build communities that they love as well. So, I mean, just hats off to you, but for anybody who is... You know, thinking that they only want the highlight reel. What advice do you have for them in this stage? Now that you are in, you know, kind of the business building for others, what can you actually guide them? Well, it's
1: interesting because if you only want the highlight reel, like I almost liken it to contrast, like literal contrast, like with these, again, referencing these photos behind me that are black and white. You can't have black without white, you can't have the highlights without the down moments. And you can't appreciate one without the other because there's no frame of reference. And it doesn't mean that we should sit around inviting in and hoping for the downtimes. It doesn't mean that we should muck around in the BS and like the stuff that gets us down and stay in that energy for longer than we need to truly just process it and keep moving. Honestly, like I am better for all of those things. I couldn't have gotten to where I have gotten if it weren't for those experiences. And I certainly wouldn't appreciate them as much if it weren't for that. Nor as, you know, I'd imagine a lot of people listening to this are people in the helping fields. Like you're doing things to support other people and help them make their unique impacts. You are very unrelatable if you can't open up your war stories and your wounds. And it's not from a place of manipulation, but it's from a place of truth that, If you seem pristine and perfect and polished and all you're willing to talk to me about is everything that's great all of the time, I'm not asking you to complain or lament or be in that space, but there's an inauthenticity to that. And at the end of the day, I think we are missing out on so many of the brushstrokes of life and so much of the spectrum and the color of life if we only feel like we want the positive. And what typically will happen in that case is we will become so constricted that we're afraid to do anything And then we end up doing the antithesis of what it is we're setting out to do in the first place. Like because we're holding ourselves so tightly, we can't blossom as big as we could get. And when you look at it, even from nature's perspective of seasonality, and you think winter looks dead and it feels dark and it feels gloomy and all of these things, but really it's preparation for what's next. So when you apply that to your own life and you think this is just a season, if you're in one of those darker periods or things are feeling down and you're on the bathroom floor crying and your mom's telling you to go get a real job, that's just a season and it may be short and it may be long but either way just trust that nature is showing us that it has the inflows and the outflows that it has seasons and it will turn as well for you.
0: Oof. Ooh the metaphor of seasonality, I can see why Deepak was like, all right, Dara, how can we work together? (laughs) I mean, you just have this natural gift. I love it. And I think that for so many of us, the noise that we see online, it's like people want to get from point A to point B overnight. And, you know, there is this reverence for the journey that we're in. And what I want to actually just highlight, even the endeavors that you started, they were not all similar. There have been through lines, you know, and really understanding what, again, I'm going to go back to is your superpower. And and I kind of want to just ask for the audience and, and everyone that's listening and probably is dying to know... How did you follow those footsteps to then have the bravery and the courage to go into seemingly very different business building opportunities that were not really relatable to each other? Yeah, it doesn't
1: feel brave when you're doing it because you're just following what like the next little pebble is in front of you. And something I used to have a really hard time with was connection to that inner voice and connection to the intuition because, you know, this usually surprises people when they know me now, but when I was in middle school and I was in high school, people called me an emotional robot because I was so shut off. It was this like real deep self-preservation thing. And I had no access to the spectrum of emotions and I by no means was accessing that inner voice because I just was totally in my own little bubble. And I'd say the thing I'm most proud of in my entire life is that emotional journey that I've taken to crack that open and really experience the fullness of all of the emotions and not feel that it's weakness to be vulnerable or any of these things that I was really impressioned upon me by my very male dominant family of dad, two brothers. Wow. And through that experience, I just sort of began to learn that I had, and like we all have this inner knowing and we feel it in different ways. And so while I didn't always know clearly, like I don't have a literal, like a not clear audience. I don't hear voices that tell me this is the thing to do, or this is the thing to do. But I would start to see things that would line up or someone would literally come to me with something. And I was like, wow, what you've described as your challenge. Like when my friend from undergrad came to me after law school and she said, where do I go to make friends after college? Everywhere I go, I feel like I'm getting hit on, sold to. Everyone's my parents' age or in my industry. Yep. And I was like, wow, it's so interesting that you would say that because my like greatest gift I've discovered is connection and putting the pieces together for people and people and people and resources to better the outcomes for everyone. And so I thought, why don't I just help you with that? Which who knew turned into a business or same thing when my brother reached out to me, it really was just about saying yes, not necessarily to an end outcome, but to just one choice and letting the choices build and allowing curiosity to really guide me, which made it more like a scavenger hunt than this like brave mission where I was like Zelda questing my
0: way through the world. That was not it whatsoever. Oh, I love how you just broke it down for us. And I think that's such a really powerful reminder you know, for all of us to follow that deeper knowing and that deeper discovery of asking those questions and coming from a place of awe and curiosity. I just think that like, we need to just be hearing more of this more and more. So thank you so much for bringing that up. So as we kind of wrap this up and, oh, so good. So many gems throughout the whole episode. I want to ask, what does it mean to be brave in this stage of your life?
1: I think for me, being brave is being as deeply yourself as you can. And that means digging into yourself to know what that is. And something that I've been thinking a lot about over the last six months is identity. And that identity is something that sort of defines our trajectories. Because when we hold tightly to an identity that either once served us and doesn't serve us or maybe never served us, but was handed to us or any of the other amalgamations of what an identity might be that we've taken on, it can be limiting. But when we are willing to be more open, bombed about it and be more loose about how we define ourselves and what we hold on to and how we might recalibrate what's possible for us and what identity we can take on, the way you see the world and the way the world opens up to you changes. And I know that can sound sort of amorphous But when I think about like even what I shared with you know, being someone who had this closed emotional bandwidth that my identity was robot and it was very scary to show people this other part of myself. And then eventually I just had to realize one, people are paying way less attention than I think. And if they are paying attention, it's typically because they care and they're supporting me. Two, my doing it and anyone doing it is an invitation and a model for someone else to potentially do it. And there's a ripple effect of that. And three, I'm the one who loses if I don't allow myself to grow into whatever the next incarnation of me is. And then all of, again, the ripples that come around that are hampered as well. So whether it's you look at it as it's selfish to yourself or you look at it as it's selfish to the people who could be benefiting from what you become and how that helps them in some way, then either you do it for yourself and or you do it because it's in service to other people.
0: Oh, so good. So, so good. And... Way to put a bow on literally everything that we were just sharing and talking about. I love that. And as we kind of near this the last two questions, what is a practice or ritual that you are doing as of late that's really been elevating your life? I love this question today because <laughs> my curiosity has led me to study hypnosis.
1: Ooh. And I had gotten hypnotherapy a couple of times and I wasn't sure if I found it effective or not, but I found a type of hypnosis that brought together the Reiki energy work that I had learned to become a practitioner of just again, as a hobby Mm -hmm. and a lot of like the learnings that I had done through like my spiritual practice and the visualizations and meditations that I often lead clients in or just like have in my back pocket and so many other pieces. And I was like, oh my gosh, like this is all coming together in one space and it's funny because everyone I'm studying with like wants to have a hypnotherapy practice. And I'm just thinking, I just like to collect tools. Like, I like to understand how things work. Sometimes the tool is used explicitly. Sometimes it's used in some like piece or part or parcel. And right. it's been a really fun tool to bring into the quiver
0: hypnotherapy, definitely. I mean, there's so much to unpack there. We'd probably have to get you back for part two, just to kind of explore that because I know for me, that totally has changed parts of my life. So mm. yes, I'm all about that. Now yeah, I need what to is... hear that story offline. Oh yeah. <laughs> oh, oh yes. <laughs> and uh, one word that describes the season of life you're in now. Savor. Hmm. So good. Dara, oh my gosh, where can we get more information about this masterclass with you and Deepak? Where can we get more information about you and how can people connect with you online? Thank you for asking. So
1: if you want the free workshop or the free masterclass with Deepak and myself, you can just go to Dara.co. It's D-A-R-R-A-H dot C-O slash, I believe it's just Deepak. Or when you're on there, just go to the heading called freebies. There's like 10 really great free resources on there. And if you head over to my Instagram, which is just at Dara B, D-A-R-R-A-H-B, and you have any questions about anything, shoot me a DM or I'll send you those links directly.
0: Ooh, amazing, Dara. This was so juicy. So many gems. Well, until next time on The Brave Table. Wow. Wasn't that such a powerful episode? I hope you're still taking notes, especially about the five types of mentorship and advice for finding the right mentor for you. And even if you had thought that, you know, perhaps being a mentor for somebody else, how to groom that and how to see talent. And... Dara is just one of those magnetic people that you just feel really close to. By the end of the conversation I'm like, "Oh my gosh, I felt I felt like we're, you know, BFFs and she just has that energy behind her." And I want you to think of in your life, who is that friend that you're like, "Wow, we might not talk all the time, but when we do, we go so deep and we just feel so bonded and connected." And I know that perhaps maybe this will spark more of those conversations, more of the ability to just be brave and leaning into that discomfort when you go to the next networking event and you are next to somebody really inspiring that you want to just reach over and say, Hey, you know, I really love what you're doing. And perhaps even use some of what Dara talked about today's episode to guide that conversation and coming from a place of not nervousness or, you know, fangirling or fanboying anybody, but it's more so like, wow, I really value you. And and if we can just come from a place of that instead of lack, how much more genuine conversations and, you know, abilities that we're able to do and see in the world for just for our own expansion and growth. Now, if you, are in love with Dara and you want to know all things Dara and maybe get the scoop on her free training with Deepak Chopra, you can connect with her at Dara.co, D-A-R-R-A-H.co and find out what she is up to because she has been through many different industries and she writes across many different platforms and she's always looking for the next story to tell. And so if you want to say hello to her on Instagram, she's also there at Dara underscore Brustein, D-A-R-R-A-H underscore Brustein. And if you're curious to know more about building the power of connections and true and genuine friendships that are in alignment with you at your stage of growth, You can definitely check out the episode with Erwin Valencia, the power of connection in friendships and long lasting relationships. And the other one that I did in terms of managing the duality of our emotions, you know, the highs and lows, the magic in the mess, the chaos and joy that is also linked in the show notes. Now, Before you go, I want to make sure you know how to give us a five-star review. We are just so thankful that you keep tuning in week after week and sharing this with your friends and family and those that need just a little bit more support and having brave conversations, leaning into the discomfort and being brave alongside with that. So I am giving you your free emotional mastery guide that is nowhere else when you submit a screenshot of your review to support at globalgrit.co that is support at globalgrit.co and it will start your emotional resiliency journey and i'm so so grateful for each and every one of you love you all so much have an amazing day an amazing week and i will see you next time